You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today uh, I'm going to answer a few questions. I'm reaching into the mailbox. And I've gotten some really good questions uh, last week, so I'm going to be answering those this week during the during the podcast. The first one came to me on 41723, says, Good morning, Rick. I was wondering if you could do an episode over the subsystems and really dumb it down. I'd like to have my trainers watch it. Storm B. Well, thank you, Storm, for asking the question about the subsystems. I think the subsystems are a very, very, very interesting topic, but it can be a lot to try to absorb it. There are a lot of muscles that work together in force couples that stabilize and mobilize joints in our body and uh, kind of really uh, our entire body. So... In this, we'll look at some of the, the subsystems. There are four subsystems that NASM talks about, and they'll do a brief on it in the CPT, and they spend a little more time, but still not a lot of time, in the Corrective Exercise Specialist course. But the first one that you look into is something called the Deep Longitudinal Subsystem. And these are core subsystems that allow us to stabilize our lumbopelvic hip complex as we go through movement, but they also produce movement. So they're not just stabilizers, but they can also produce, they are mobilizers. So the first one we're gonna talk about is the deep longitudinal subsystem. And the deep longitudinal subsystem is gonna start with uh, a couple muscles. One is gonna be the tibialis anterior and the fibularis longus or the peroneal longus. So uh, both of those muscles are pretty interesting. Fibularis is kind of the new term for peroneal, and it is a better, it is a more accurate term. But the problem is we've been calling it peroneals for, I don't know, hundreds of years, uh, and nobody knows what a perone is. What is a peroneal? However, a fibularis is the fibula. So it is the muscle on top of the fibula. It's a better name, but I almost have to say both of them every time I talk about one of them because of the name change and the history with it. So we've got the tibialis anterior that is on the front of the shin, anterior tibialis, the tibia muscle. So it's that muscle right next to the shin. You can put your hand down your shin and feel the muscle right next to it, just lateral of the shin bone, that's tibialis anterior. The peroneal longus or fibularis longus is uh, an everter. However, the tibialis anterior dorsiflex, the fibularis um, longus, plantar flexes. So you've got both of these. One does eversion, tibialis anterior, the fibularis does eversion. So it helps to stabilize the ankle there while you're going through locomotion. But as that moves up, and it connects, doesn't connect. So there is a fascial connection with the biceps femoris. And the biceps femoris or femoris is on the lateral side of the leg. And that runs north, goes all the way up to the, um, to the, the sits muscle, the sit bone. Sorry, the, not a muscle, the sit bone. And that is the sacral tuberosity. Well, there's a ligament 
that connects to the sacrotuberosity. And there's a connection there between the biceps femoris and the sacrotuberous ligament. The sacrotuberous ligament then goes from the sacrum to the ischial tuberosity. And there is a means of force reciprocation there. And through that, you feel upon impact while going through locomotion, it helps to stabilize the SI, sorry, the, the sacrum. And then that kind of reciprocal force transmission as your foot hits the ground, it goes all the way up the spine. And so your erector spinae muscles, all of those erector muscles in the spine are also activated in the deep longitudinal subsystem. So you get the tibialis anterior, you get the fibularis longus, you've got the biceps femoris, the sacrotuberous ligament, and the erector spinae. And its job is the reciprocal transmission of force. When I connect to the ground, it stabilizes my body longitudinally as I start to walk forward. So that is a brief, that's a brief on the deep longitudinal subsystem, which is primarily engaged via locomotion. It, it engages while we walk. Now, some of the other muscles, uh, subgroups that we talk about, these subsystems are going to have something to do with locomotion, yes, but some other types of movement as well. So let's get into the next one. The next one is the posterior oblique subsystem, the POS, posterior oblique subsystem. And this one's pretty interesting, right? So if you think about your lats, your lats kind of make a V shape going from your, um, your sacrum, going through that thoracolumbar fascia and in a V shape. So it goes up and out. It goes north and one side goes to the left, the other side goes to the right. It's kind of a V shape in the lats. But if you look at the glutes, the glutes basically do that same thing they start at the sacrum and they go down and out. And so basically the right glute and the left lat have almost a very, very similar pination, uh, a, a direction of fiber. And the left glute and the right lat have a very similar direction of fiber. <clears throat> so as I pull, let's say uh, I'm doing a squat to row. Squat to row makes it really easy. I've got bilateral glute activation and lat activation. I've got the X firing. I've got my right lat and my left glute and my left lat and my right glute, and they are crisscrossing. Think about the crisscrossing, what that does. If you've ever been to New York City, where I live, you go through and you see scaffolding around all the time. And as you look at that scaffolding, there are all these crisscross patterns in the scaffolding. And what does that do? That provides support. So this X shape, this crisscross pattern across our sacrum and attaching also to our ilium helps to create a force closure on the SI joint. It helps to stabilize the SI joint. So the SI joint is really, really... Um, uh, it is a very, um, there's a lot of force that goes through the SI joint. All of the weight of your upper body and the, the impact forces from your lower body kind of meet there at those two joints. And to create stability at the SI joint is very important. 
So if I ever get somebody that has some SI joint stuff, I might do a little mobility uh, and then do some stability training. But then I always do posterior oblique subsystem work. I try to get their glutes and their lats to co-contract to help stabilize the SI joints. These are also really important in rotational activities as well. Uh, it's just a, let's go with a, a baseball bat, right? So if I'm swinging, I'm right-handed, so I'm swinging. Uh, as I swing, I'm creating a rotational pattern. My lats help to rotate my torso as my arm pulls across and my leg goes into hip extension, particularly on one side, both sides end up there. And so there is a co-contraction in rotation. I also um, think about like pulling something, grabbing something and pulling it towards you. You're going to go through this pulling movement. And if you can contract your glutes, so whether you're standing, whether you're kind of squatting up and rotating, you're creating stability across the lumbar spine and across the SI joint in the posterior oblique subsystem as you're creating that X pattern on the posterior side. Well, if there's an anterior oblique, if there's a posterior oblique, then we're going to look at the anterior oblique subsystem as well. Now, for ease of thought, anterior oblique subsystem, you're going to take your external obliques and they're going to basically the angle of that fiber is the same angle of the fiber, or a similar angle of fiber for the adductors on the opposite side on the contralateral side. So my, my external obliques go from lateral to medial and they're oblique. So they also go from superior to inferior and it creates that oblique angle. Well, the adductors go from the pubis bone, the pubic bone, and it moves at a directional angle into the femur. And so if I, again, I'm swinging that baseball bat as I rotate my right side, uh, goes into right side, I'm rotating left. So I'm a right-hand batter. I'm rotating left. My external oblique on my right side is firing. My internal oblique on the other side is firing. But my contralateral adductors, I'm going into adduction as I rotate. Uh, I'm rotating towards my left leg. So my left hip is internally rotating when I'm a right-hand batter swinging. Storm, I know you're... Just in your head, you're right now going, I ask you to dumb it down. This is so convoluted right now. Uh, it's complex topic, especially if I can't get up and just like show you and do the things with you. So anybody that's not even watching video on YouTube, if you're just listening to it, this could be hard to wrap your head around. But I am, I'm baseball batting. I'm rotating from my right to my left. My external oblique on my right side is rotating me. My adductors, I'm internally rotating on my left leg. So my adductor complex, my anterior oblique subsystem, I'm going from uh, this crisscross pattern and I can switch it over to the other side. A lot of times we look at it where uh, rotational athletes, there's a could be a big imbalance. Right, so if I've got a big imbalance where my external oblique on my right side, internal oblique on my left side, and adductor on my left side are much stronger than the opposite version of that because I don't swing left very often. 
And so there can be some, some imbalance when it comes to our anterior oblique subsystem. And the purpose of this is transverse plane force reduction and production. And a lot of times we just talk about production of force, but it's very important that we talk about how it decelerates force too. And it decelerates, if need be, the posterior oblique subsystem. So if I'm rotating one way, my uh, on my posterior oblique subsystem, my anterior oblique subsystem could decelerate that. So there's kind of the concepts between anterior and oblique uh, and posterior oblique subsystems is that they create these X patterns on the body to help stabilize force in the transverse plane because it's an oblique pattern. It's a rotational pattern. So it helps to stabilize and produce forces in the transverse plane. Well, now we've got the lateral subsystem and this one is a very clear frontal plane stabilizer. It's called the lateral subsystem. So lateral lets you know it's side to side. And so it is a frontal plane stabilizer. Lateral subsystem is composed of the glute medius and the TFL and the adductors on one side and the contralateral quadratus lumborum. So it's going to be my right glute medius, right TFL, right adductor, which helps to stabilize my pelvis as, <coughs> excuse me, while I'm standing on a single leg. So I'm standing on my right leg. Uh, my pelvis can be pulled down into adduction with an adductor. It can be pulled up or into abduction. So it's stabilizing my pelvis, one from the lateral side, one from the medial side. But now I've got the contralateral, the contralateral QL, which helps to also stabilize the pelvis on, uh, on that side and by pulling the pelvis up. And so the lateral subsystem, the glute medius, TFL, adductors, and contralateral quadratus lumborum help to stabilize our body in the frontal plane. It is frontal plane pelvofemoral stability. Also, if you have some dysfunction in the lateral subsystem with, let's say, subtalar pronation, tibial and femoral internal rotation, that will throw off your lateral subsystem. So you could also then start to move down from the lumbopelvic hip complex where the lateral subsystem is identified and uh, that's where that's where all of it is working, but it doesn't mean that it's unaffected by other places. So if I have subtalar joint pronation, and so my foot flattens, my tibia internally rotates, my femur internally rotates, then that's going to have an effect on my lateral subsystem. And so it's going to have an effect on every other subsystem in the body that we just talked about. So just because we're looking at core subsystems doesn't mean that the foot and ankle doesn't affect it. It's just the foot and ankle a lot of times, except for the deep longitudinal subsystem, isn't considered part of that core subsystem. So one more time through our subsystems, we've got the deep longitudinal subsystem, which creates this reciprocal force transmission. I'm going to impact the ground when I walk. 
and the same amount of tensillary strength has to activate to stabilize my spine as a means of reciprocal force transmission. That's going to be my tibialis anterior, fibularis or peroneal longus, the biceps femoris, sacrotuberous ligament, and the erector spinae in the deep longitudinal system. There's the posterior oblique subsystem. It is the glute max and the lats, the lats and the glutes. And as they co-contract, they make that X pattern. And their job is to force closure on the SI joint to help stabilize the SI joint. And it's very important in rotational activities. The anterior oblique subsystem. I've got my, for our purposes right now, external obliques on one side and contralateral adductors on the other side. And that helps uh, transverse plane force production and reduction. And so again, the anterior and posterior oblique subsystems also help to balance each other out. And then the lateral subsystem, I've got the glute medius, the TFL, the adductors on one side and the QL on the contralateral side, helping with frontal plane, pelvofemoral stability. All right. I hope Storm, that you found it helpful along with the trainers there. If you got questions, you can reach out to me just like Storm did. You can hit me up on Instagram at dr.rickritchie, or you can email me at rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Y'all like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family, and keep inspiring people to fitness. Thank you for listening. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.